right. We're in the last week of a series that we have been calling Game Changer. And I have enjoyed the series, and I hope you've enjoyed the series. I have enjoyed the feedback from those that get it. And this is one of those series that you go into and you just realize that ahead of time, not everybody is going to get it. And there's nothing you can do about that. At the end of the day, it's not my job to make you implement what I teach. It's my job to teach what the Word of God says. And what you choose to do with it is on you. And what I choose to do with it is on me. But I've been excited to hear the feedback from those that are doing it. And so many people have asked when we're going to start the uh, Dave Ramsey, the Financial Peace University here at the church. We're probably going to start that, looking to start that the first week in March. Talking with Tanya about that before because we want to get through the next series too. Because the next series, we're doing a series called You Inc. And talking about you as your own incorporation, you as your own purpose, you as your own calling. That God specifically designed you for a purpose. And your purpose is different than anyone else's purpose. And your makeup is different than anyone else's makeup. And your DNA is different than anybody else's DNA. But the problem is so many people live their life not knowing how to implement what God's called them to do. Or even being able to figure out what God's called them to do. And I think it's going to be an exciting series. And I am excited about it. But we're in this series and we're talking about the number one thing in your life that can be a game changer in your life. And obviously we're talking about finances because there's no other area that affects us like the area of finances. It affects us emotionally. It affects us physically. It affects us spiritually. It affects us mentally. When we are controlled by our finances and the large majority of Americans are in so much financial debt that it's affecting their marriages. It's affecting uh, the number one reason for suicide is financial pressure. The number one reason for divorce is financial pressure. The number one people feel like they're living a life of going through the motions in the hamster wheel of life is because they're in bondage to finances. And the Bible says this. We went to it over and over. The Bible says in Proverbs 22, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. And so many of us are living as a slave. We're living in bondage to American Express. We're living in bondage to Visa. We're living in bondage to MasterCard. We're living in bondage to the 60 months of car payments where we pay three times more for the car than it was worth to begin with. We're living in bondage to Aaron's rents. We're living in bondage to whatever it is, Title Max, whatever it is. Someone told me this last week that they borrowed $1,200 three years ago from Title Max. Three years later, this blew my mind, three years later, they still owe $2,700 because of the interest. Yeah, but it got me through that quick time, and that's our problem. We live in today instead of looking at the big picture. We deal with the tyranny of the urgent. We make, we make poor decisions today that affect us for days and months and years to come, and we become slave to the lender. I used to dread series like this. I used to worry that when I did series like this, people were going to get mad and not come back and look around. We've probably dropped in half in attendance since the first week of the series. They'll all be back next week. And that's okay. That's okay. But at the end of the day, 
at 42 years old and haven't been doing this since I was 21 years old, here's the deal. I'm not really worried about that anymore. It's my job to teach the whole counsel of God. What you do with it is what you do with it. I can stand before anybody and feel like I don't beat up this subject a lot. I don't talk about this subject a lot. I don't actually talk about this subject enough. We haven't done an entire series on how to manage your finances since we're on the other side of the building almost six and a half years ago. Six and a half years ago. It's a subject that needs to be taught because the Bible teaches. Did you know the Bible talks more about our finances than it does the subject of heaven or hell combined? It talks more about the subject of finances than it does the subject of prayer. Did you know it talks more about the the subject of finances than, than it does the subject of forgiveness? God knew that we would be in bondage to our finances, and God knew that as our money goes, so we go. So if you're a first-time guest today and I feed into every stereotype that you have, then I'm just going to feed into every stereotype that you have. I hope you come back another week and we're able to break that stereotype. But at the end of the day, we're going to preach what God lays on our heart to preach. And since we're talking about money, I need someone to help me out with an illustration. I need a $100 bill. In Action Church, does anybody have a $100 bill? Going once, going twice. Michelle, you got a $100 bill? Dang, big baller, shot caller. Dang, girl, what you... And you just, like, quick had a $100 bill. Dang, Jack, you taking care of your woman over there, ain't you? I, I didn't even tell her what I needed this $100 bill for. Thank you. So we're talking about managing our resources. We talked a couple of weeks ago about how to get an emergency fund. I said, you skimp and you save and you do whatever. Guess what? I just got 10% of my emergency fund by asking. (laughs) I'll get back to that here in a few minutes. If you missed the first week of the series, we talked to those of us who are Christ followers and want to live our life based on the way the Bible talks about living our life. In the first week of the series, we talked about this. We don't serve money. We serve God. And as we serve God, money serves us. We talked about the fact that we live in a day and time where money is a trap, but the Bible talks about money being a tool. It is a resource in which we can impact the world that is around us. And so we talked about the fact that so many of us can't be impactful in the world. We can't do what we feel called to do because the fact of the matter is when it comes to money, we don't have any. We're in bondage to the lender. We're in bondage to the person who's given us that money. And so what we did in the first week of the series, and if you missed that, you can go to actionchurch.tv and listen to those sermons. We laid a foundation of what biblical finances were. And we talked about how we're going to get very intentional about managing our finances in the way that God would have us to manage our finances. We're going to live like no one else for a season. So for the rest of our life, we can live like no one else. We're going to do whatever it takes to get out of debt. We're going to do whatever it takes to get out of slavery. We're going to do whatever it takes to get out of bondage. So we can then live the life that we were created to live for. 
Then the last two weeks, we got very, 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 very practical. I don't know how we could have gotten more practical while also being biblical. And we talked about it. Sounds great, Gary. We want to live debt-free. We want our money to work for us instead of us working for our money. How do we go about that, especially when I make X amount of dollars in debt? And we talked about how we're going to get out of debt. And one of the weeks, the second week, we talked about coming up with a budget. We talked about coming up with an emergency fund. We talked about the SNEP the debt snowball, rolling up and learning how to attack our debt. If you missed any of those messages, you can go back and you can listen. Last week, we even got more practical. We talked about now we're out of debt. What do we do? We're going to start saving money, and we're going to start investing money. And we showed you all the Bible verses that talk about saving money and investing money and being smart. I showed you there's two ways you can make money. You can work hard for your money, and that's a good thing, or your money can make you money. And we talked about how to be smart with investments and some guidelines for investing. And they were very, very, very practical messages. We're going to tie up this series not being necessarily practical, but we're going to get real, real spiritual. And the minute I say what we're going to talk about today, the large majority of you are going to tune out, and that's okay. Because here's what we've done. We've talked about how to eliminate the debt in our life. We've talked about how to get on godly principles in our life. And today we're going to talk about that word that everyone gets tense about when you talk about it in church. We're going to talk about tithing today. I want you to say that word with me, because even though you shudder at it, I want you to say that word. So I'm going to count to three, and I want you to say tithing. One, Two, three, tithing. tithing. Oh, it just makes you quiver, doesn't it? Because here's the funny thing about tithing, especially in America. We have tithing mixed up with another word called giving. We think they're interchangeable words. Well, I give, therefore I must tithe. So what is the tithe? And is when I give... Am I tithing? <laughs> the Hebrew word that is translated tithe, it, it literally means, it literally in every aspect of the word means a tenth. A tenth. That's what the word tithe means. Someone tell me, I say, well, well, I tithe $20 every week. Well, if you make $1,000, you didn't tithe $20. You gave $20. And here's the deal. The Bible talks about giving. The Bible says that God loves a joyful giver. We ought to give with joy. But here's a concept that we miss. Giving comes after tithing. The Bible never says God loves a joyful tither. He just says to tithe. I'm going to load you up with scripture today. Because I don't want you to think I'm giving you my opinion. Let me also load you up with this disclaimer today. Whether or not you tithe doesn't affect me. Contrary to popular belief, I don't know how other churches work. At Action Church, my salary, ever how small it is here, is not affected by your tithing. If we have a $50,000 offering and we have a $500 offering, it doesn't affect. So this isn't a get Gary rich quick sermon, okay? Let me also go ahead and let you know this. I don't know who tithes in this church and who doesn't tithe in this church. 
I don't know who gives what in this church and who doesn't give in this church. I know every aspect of everything in this church except that. We have an outside firm that handles every aspect of that. They've handled it since day one. They, you will get giving statements this week probably for your giving from last year. And guess what? Those won't come from me. They'll come from them. We pay them to send them. So I don't know who gives what and who gives nothing and who does this. So I'm not talking to you today. So if you feel like I'm talking to you today, that could be the Holy Spirit of God convicting you. Because the only person I know financially anything about their giving in this church is Christine and I. So it's between you and God. But it's an important aspect of getting your finances in order that so many of us miss out on. We really don't understand the tithe. We think we give and therefore we tithe. I remember when I first became a Christ follower, I heard to give 10%. I thought, man, I've got to give 10% of my income to Christian things. So I went to the Christian bookstore in my community. It was called Eagle's Wings. You know, we, we, I lived in a little bitty small town. We literally had one red light and one restaurant at Dairy Queen. That was it. But we had a Christian bookstore. Because in the South, you've got to have a Christian bookstore. I went in there, I took 10% of my income, and I bought tapes and shirts and posters all kinds of good Christian stuff. And left there thinking, man, I've tithed. And look at all the stuff I got for tithing. That's not called tithing. That's called shopping. <laughs> so I want to get us on the, the, the page of what tithing is. Tithing is giving 10% back to God. Okay? First of all, though, we need to understand this. The first thing is this. Tithing is returning the first 10% to God. You're not giving anything to God because it wasn't yours to begin with. <laughs> Everybody say returning. You don't give to God, you return to God. It's returning 10% of what God gives me. The Bible says this in Leviticus 27. A tithe... Of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. What's holy to the Lord? The tenth. The tithe. These people were farmers. This is how they made their, their money. They didn't have a money system like we have nowadays. And they were to give the first 10% back to God. That word holy means it is set apart. It means it's designated for another purpose. It belongs to God. Now, if you'll notice something, I said tithing is not giving. Tithing is returning. <laughs> it's important. I have a wife who's very technical when it comes to the terms I use. So I want to make sure that I very much get that right because I want her not to convict me later for wording it wrong. And I don't want the Holy Spirit to convict me for wording it long, wrong. Tithing is returning. You're not giving because it never was yours to have. Kind of like the $100 that Michelle just gave me. You might think, why did he just take that and put it in his pocket? Here's why I took it and I put it in my pocket. Because before the service, I went up to Michelle and said, Michelle, see this $100? I need you to hold this $100 for me until I ask for it. When I asked for it, Michelle, Michelle, 
I need you to get up and give me this $100. Michelle, I don't need you to disappear. I don't need you to play games. It's $100. I need you to give it to me. Now, here's the deal. Did Michelle give me that $100 or did she return the $100 to me? Now, here's the funny deal. If I was like God, I'd have given her the $100 and said, Now, Michelle, you keep 90 of it. I need you to give me return 10 of it back. That would have been an expensive illustration. Christine would have killed me. And I'm not God. So did Michelle give me the $100 or did she return what was already mine? She returned what was already mine. God says, everything you have I gave you and I want you to return it. He trusts us with all his resources. And he just asked for 10% back so the tithe belongs to God. It's put back It's holy. Tithing is giving God my first and best so he can bless the rest. Tithing is giving God my first and my best so he can bless the rest. The Bible says this in Proverbs. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim with new wine. Let me make this as clear to you as possible. Whether you do it or don't do it again isn't my business. It's better to live on 90% blessed from God than it is 100% not blessed from God. I'm going to illustrate that to you in a minute. Gary, I don't understand how it can work. It works. Because here's the problem with how it works. You think in the natural and God's in the supernatural. He says, return it. And when you return it, your barns will be filled overflowing. And we're going to talk about the blessings of tithing. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. But here's the deal. Right now, some of you are thinking, Gary, I don't need to hear this sermon. I'm in debt. I'm working my steps. I'm doing my debt snowball, man. I'm close to my emergency fund. I've got all this in order. And now you're telling me, I'll tithe when I get through all that. No, no. Tithe comes first. Now, here's the problem when it comes to tithing. And it comes to me teaching on tithing. I'm smoking what I'm selling. Ask my wife. The first time we got together and my wife took over our finances, I remember it was like it was yesterday. I had not balanced my checkbook in about six months. Had it all up here in my head. We talked about combining our checking accounts. I said, cool. I, she goes, how much money? Like, I said, ah, about this. She said, what bills you got? I said, ah, blah, 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 blah. She said, where's the ledger? I said, the what? I don't keep up with no ledger. I got it up here. She sat down five hours, five hours, and got all the finances worked out, figured out where all the money was and how much, and surprisingly, I was way off in what I thought I had and what I had. But I looked at her, and I said, I need you to understand something. I said, before any obligations I have, before the house payment gets paid, before the electricity bill gets paid, before the water bill gets paid, before you go buy groceries for our kids, you write a tithe out of my paycheck. I can't tell her what to do with her paycheck. I said, you write a tithe out of my paycheck. And I said, do you understand what a tithe is? I said, it's 10%. Now, let me make something really clear to you. I'm married to Christine Lamb. Before she was Christine Lamb, she was Christine Cope. You don't really tell a Cope what to do. Unless you're that dogmatic about it. And that's how dogmatic I was about it. 
There was no negotiating. There was no talking about it. I said, it always comes out. She looked at me and she said, what if things are tight? I said, the tithe comes first. And I said, I want you to watch how things will never get tight and God will always bless. And she'll tell you, she's a, she goes above and beyond tithing. And I'm like, you gave how much? She said, well, I know what the electricity bill is at the church and it's not going to get paid and violent. I said, just don't tell me what you're giving. Just do it. <laughs> it's amazing how our faith grows in that area when we give God the first and then he blesses the rest. <laughs> so why should we tithe? There's many reasons we should tithe. I'm going to give you a couple of them today. The first thing you need to realize about tithing is this. Tithing provides for God's work through the church. Tithing provides for God's work through the church. Let me put as bluntly to you as I can. God's way of financing what happens in the local church is through the people who attend that church tithing. It's not through donut sales on the street corner. We're God's people. We don't go out and beg. It's not through yard sales. It's not through car washes. It's through God's people being faithful and giving back. Now let me rock your world for a minute. Do you know how many Christians they say tithe? 2%. 2%. A lot of them give, but a few of them tithe. Did you know they say that if 50% of Christians would actually start to tithe, then we could eliminate homelessness? We could eliminate addiction. We could eliminate kids not having um, um, adequate housing. They said that we could eliminate the rest of the world not having clean drinking water. All the things that we put on the government thinks the government's job. It's not the government's job. It's the church's job. The church just ain't doing it. And I ain't saying the government's doing a great job at it. But it's the church's job. But the problem is the church can't afford to do it because the people who attend the church are robbing God. We're robbing God. We'll get to that in a minute. Now let me also give a disclaimer. Our bills get paid around here. So this ain't a sermon because we're about to have to close the doors. This is just a sermon because it's my job to teach you what God says, and I want to see you live a blessed life. Tithing provides for God's work through the church. The Bible says this in Malachi. Bring the whole tithe. How much is a tithe? How much is the whole tithe? Ten. It says, bring the whole tithe to the storehouse. If you go back and study out what the storehouse was, all theologians, all commentaries, even the most conservative commentaries will tell you that the storehouse is a picture of the local church. It's where in the community they would store up the food. It's where people would get fed. It's where community happened, life happened around the storehouse. The tithe goes to the local church that you're part of. If you don't feel confident enough to give to that local church, it's probably not the church for you. I get that. I understand that. I don't know that I want to give. Cool. Find a church where you can give to it. Well, I've been ripped off in a previous church and this happened. Your job's to give. You answer for that. That church and that pastor that robbed people and did whatever, he'll answer for the ripping off. The tithe goes to the storehouse. Guess what that means? The tithe doesn't go to mission organizations. It doesn't go to charities. I saw someone the other day post on Facebook, hey, I'm trying to get groceries for this family in need if someone wants to give their tithe. That's not where the tithe goes. Tithe goes to the storehouse. And if the tithe was going to the storehouse, guess what? The church of the storehouse would be able to feed that family. 
Now, there's beyond tithing, but some of you can't get to beyond tithing because you can't even tithe. Now, beyond tithing is I'm going to come along and I'm going to give to help out this organization or help out this missionary, help this need. But tithe goes to the storehouse. The storehouse is the church that you belong to. The Bible says, bring the whole tithe to the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. We'll get back to that. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. We'll get to that too. Bring the whole tithe to the storehouse. <laughs> now let me rabbit trail real, real quickly and brag to you today and it's weird to brag because I'm the pastor and I try not to do that too much around here. But let me brag on what this local storehouse does with the finances that come in. I think you'd be very hard-pressed to have a church that brings in less money that does more in its community. When you give to this storehouse, 100% of everything that comes through these doors stays in the city of Canton. 100% of it. Not 90% of it, not 99% of it. 100% goes to feeding people in need, clothing people in need, housing people in need, providing a building for people in need. I think that we do a really good job in this community. Let me rephrase that. You do a really good job in this community. I, I, I can proudly say that everything that happens here happens not because there's a denomination that pours money into it. You're going to find this shocking. Not because we have a sugar daddy. I know, ain't that shocking when you look around and you think there'll be a sugar daddy here because, you know, it's the kind of church we are comes in because of the giving here. Now, can I tell you something else? You'd be shocked at what this church does if you saw how little came in. I always get a kick out of when people get put on the offering team. They have to go back here, and there's checks and balances. They count the offering before it gets sent to the company that handles the finances. And every time they do it for the first time, they're like, how do we pay the bills around here? I say, what do you mean? I say, there's no way that pays the bills here. I don't know, just God does it. We just received the largest check we've ever received in the history of our church about three weeks ago. It was nothing earth-shattering. It was a nice check, and we were thankful for it. But you know what I was most thankful about about that check? It was from someone in our community who doesn't even attend church, has no desire to attend church, doesn't feel welcome in churches, and they said, we need to make a donation and we thought about donating to this, and we thought about donating to this, and we thought about donating to this. And they said, but at the end of the day, so we said, they said, we know that there's no greater group of people impacting our community than Action Church. Now, I thought God provided that check for the 13 windows that we had broke, because the next day they all got broken. Luckily, insurance is covering that. So it was a nice thing to be able to call our landlord and be like, hey, guess what? We can get caught up on rent. God always provides. The tithe goes to the storehouse. What you do here is amazing. But I got to be honest with you. I would assume from the way the finances are around here, there's a lot of you I'd be willing to bet that 99.9% if I had to pick don't understand the concept of tithing. You understand the concept of giving, but you don't understand the concept of tithing. 
Because you don't think you can afford to tithe. You don't think that you can able to tithe. I'm going to get to that in a little bit. And that's between you and God. I don't really care. I'm just telling you that tithing, one of the reasons we do is it provides for God's work through the church. What the church does happens because of the tithe. You know another reason we should tithe? It teaches me to put God first. It teaches me to put God first. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 14, the purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. Show me your checkbook, and I'll show you what's important to you. I don't think there's anybody here that would argue with that statement. Show me your ledger, and you'll see what's important. Because what our money goes to is what's important to us in life. Food is important. Somebody say amen. Amen. A roof over our head is important. Somebody say amen. A car is important. Somebody say amen. Taking care of our kids is important. Somebody say amen. We say the church is important, but what our ledger say it's important. You can say amen to that too. <laughs> the first of it goes to God. The first of everything goes to God. You know why we have church on Sunday? Because Sunday's the first day of the week. It's not the last day of the week. It's the first day of the week. We give the first day of the week to God. You know why we should start our day with our quiet time with God in our Bible? Someone says, I do it in the evening. That's cool, you do it in the evening. I'm not saying that's wrong. But there's something powerful about giving the first of your day to God. The first of our time, the first of our talents. It's why people serve in church on a Sunday. It's giving their talents, the skill set they have. We're going to talk about that in the next series. They're giving it back to God. The first of our finances. But the problem is we don't give the first of our finances. We give the last of our finances. We, we tip God. I'm going to get to that in a little bit. And I, I get what you're saying. I hear it all the time. Gary, you just don't understand. In order for me to do this and for me to tithe, I'd have to drastically change the way I live my life. Yeah. You would. I'd have to, I'd have to stop buying things I, I really won't. Yeah. I get it. I'd have to reprioritize my life around God. God, imagine that. We're putting God first. And I wonder what would happen in our life if we put God first. I wonder what would happen in our life if we put God first. (laughs) Man, serious business. Anybody that's ever went to this church and has missed the offering on Sunday and comes up to me after the service and says, hey, I missed the offering. Can I give you my offering? What's the first thing I say? "I I don't touch money. I don't touch money around here. I will find you somebody. I'll, I'll find Scott. I'll find one, Tony uh, Sweat, Brenda, someone who does it. I don't touch money. Hey, I got to go. Just, just, I don't touch money. Here's why. Because one time I touched money. I took it, put it in my back pocket. Forgot, I put it in my coat pocket. I think it was $10. Forgot about it. I'm out a couple of weeks later, put my jacket on. I'm out at Ingles. I reach in my pocket to pay for my ice cream. I sling down that $10. I'm driving home. And you know how I'm you're like, Oh, that wasn't my $10. And I'm eating my ice cream at night, because I went ahead and ate the ice cream, it was already bought. And I thought maybe it would be blessed ice cream. It's the Lord's ice cream. But it wasn't. It was conviction ice cream, because I felt like it was stolen. I felt like I had stole that ice cream. I put the ice cream back in the freezer. I get it. This is how weird I get it. I get in my car. Because there's so many bad things everyone can say about me. I don't ever want them to say anything about money. 
put the car in reverse. It's like 10.30 at night, Christine's out of town traveling. That's what I do when you're out of town eating ice cream at night, deal with it. Okay? I go to the bank, I make a withdrawal, I put it on the table where I know Sunday I can return that $10. I mean, I feel like I'm stealing money from God. And we're like, oh my God, you were eating stolen ice cream. I was. And some of you are driving stolen cars. And wearing stolen clothes. You're living in a stolen house. You say, what are you talking about, Gary? Well, look what the Bible says about it. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? God, how am I robbing you? In tithes and offerings. Those are two different things. Tithes, 10%. Offerings, man, I, I'm so blessed I want to give more. He says, you're under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. God takes it pretty serious when he's not put first. <laughs> and then everybody loves to say this. So, Gary, cool. That's Old Testament. Why don't we just take the Old Testament, rip it out, throw it away, and never use it again then? You know what I mean? That's Old Testament. The tithe is Old Testament. It's not, a, it's not a New Testament principle. And then I love this argument. Jesus never mentioned the tithe. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. That's the funny thing about Jesus. Matter of fact, he not only mentions it, he does what the New Testament always does. He takes a whole nother level. He says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, your mint, your dill, your cumin. He says, you tithe. But you neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, faithfulness. So he says, you tithe, but you have no compassion. You tithe, but you have no love. Now, a lot of people read that and say, well, he's getting rid of the tithe and just saying, look, it's not what he says. Look what he says to finish it up. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. The New Testament always takes things to the next level. Here's Jesus. This is the red letters in the Bible. And he said, you should tithe. But not only should you tithe, don't just tithe and not love. Don't tithe and not show mercy. Don't feel like you've done your duty because you threw your 10% in the plate and you go live like hell the rest of the week. Because that's what the religious of the day did. He, he said, don't forget mercy, don't forget the widows, don't forget the orphans, don't forget the people in need. He said, tithe, because you start there, but you take the tithe and you live it out too. So Jesus did talk about the tithe. He said, but live it out in our lives too. I get that's Old Testament. Listen to me, don't play the Old Testament, New Testament game. Old Testament's one thing, and Jesus always takes the Old Testament and takes it to the next level. Old Testament says, don't murder. New Testament says, if you, if, you, if you even hate somebody, you've committed murder in your heart. New Testament always takes it further than the Old Testament. Old Testament says, don't commit adultery. New Testament says, you even lust in your heart, you committed adultery. <laughs> Old Testament says, tithe. New Testament says, here's your life. It's not just 10% of your finances. It's 10% of everything. 
It's 10% of your finances. It's 10% of your time. It's 10% of your, your talent. It's 10% of your compassion. It's 10% of your wanting to help people. He said, I want the first of everything. 10% of your marriage. 10% of how you raise your kids. 10% of everything goes back to God. See, the tithe provides for the work of God through the church. The tithe teaches me to put God first. When God's first in my life, it's a game changer. Gary, I just don't know how I'm going to do this. I'm going to get to it. Don't worry. Okay? Last, though, tithing builds my faith in God. Anybody that's ever sat down with me and said, man, I'm struggling in my faith right now. And it's shocking because I don't talk about this a lot, but I always look at them. And I say, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Are you a tither? Oh, what, 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 what? I'm not talking about my faith. I said, I, I get it. But are you a tither? Because people who tithe understand faith. They understand that you can't outgive God. They understand that God always steps up and is an on-time God. Because we're stepping out in faith to give, and God takes care of us. Did you know that the only place in all of Scripture that God says to test him, the only place is in the area of the tithe? Because he knew that would build your faith. Look what he says. Bring the whole tithe to the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. He says, test me in this. Test me. So God's not just telling you to do something that doesn't make sense. He's saying, do it and test me in it. See if it doesn't work. Test me in this. And he says, see if I will not open, throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough to share it. Every time I've preached a giving message, I've given this challenge, and I'll give it to you again. Don't come to me because I don't want to know who gives what, so let me think of who you can come to. Go to, where's Ashley digging? Is she in here? Is she in the kitchen? Stand up, Ashley. Work it, girl. Spin around. Jump up and down. So Ashley is our liaison between us and the finance company that does our finances. If after this service, you want to go to Ashley Deegan and tell her you want to test God, here's my challenge to you. If you tithe for the next 90 days, and at the end of the 90 days you don't feel God's blessed you, I'll have the church write you a check back for what you gave over the last 90 days. Don't come to me. You go to her. I don't want to know about it. She'll take care of it. I've been issuing that challenge for 20 years, and I've never issued a check back in 20 years. Because God says, test him in this. Here's my deal. What have you got to lose? You're not tithing and you're broke. Test God in it. That's God in it. Now, I need you to understand something. He says, I'll open up the windows of heaven and I'll bless you so much. That doesn't mean God's a slot machine. Give. This ain't TBN. If you sow a seed of $1,000, God's going to give you $10,000. Sometimes the windows of heaven might be your kids are healthy. Sometimes the way God blesses you is you have your health. Sometimes the way God blesses you is that, that, uh, that refrigerator that you thought was going to kick the bucket for the last three years. Don't kick the bucket for the last three years. God blesses people who give. I don't understand it other than the principle that God wants to be first. And it grows our faith. I should have got my wife up here today because there's no woman in the world who struggled, or person in the world who struggled more with finances and kind of clinging to security of finances than my wife when I met her five years ago. Due to her stuff in her past, that's the way she was wired. And now she is totally the opposite direction. Now I'm the one who's like, whoa, wait a minute, what are you doing? Breathe. 
Don't get crazy. But she, she's a totally different person through watching God work through giving. God wants us to give. And it will change your finances. When you put God first, God blesses. I'm going to give you an illustration that I've given a hundred times in this church. I wasn't going to give it this time. Told my wife, I said, I'm not going to give this illustration. She said, why? It's the best illustration you could give. She goes, there's a lot of people who haven't heard it. So let me tell you a little bit of story. It goes a little something like this. I'm driving down the road. One day I stop and get gas. My daughter's in the back seat. We go in the store and like a good dad, I get her a pack of M&M's. How many of you heard my M&M story? About 10 of you. The rest of you about to have your world rocked. It's that good. Okay? We're driving down the road cruising. I ring back and say, Ashley, give me some M&M's. No! They're mine. Oh. The M&M's I just bought are yours? The M&M's I gave you are yours? The M&M's that I could reach back there and snatch out of your hand at any time because I'm bigger than you when you're three years old are yours? So my daughter didn't realize some things. My daughter didn't realize the first only reason she had those M&M's is because I bought those M&M's. My daughter didn't realize that I was big enough that I could reach back there at any time and snatch those M&M's from her and there wasn't crap she could do about it. My daughter also didn't realize that while I'm not a wealthy man, I have an amazing thing called a MasterCard. And I could have went in that quick trip and bought her more M&M's than she would have ever known what to do with. I could have given her so many M&M's she couldn't have ate them in the next year. And we do that with God. We don't realize the money we have because God gave it to us. We don't realize that God could take it at any moment. And we don't realize that God could open up the window of heaven and bless us. So here's how it works. This is your life. And here's how the large majority of you deal with your finances. Paycheck comes and you make the house payment. House payment. Paycheck comes and you make the car payment. Paycheck comes and you pay the utilities. Paycheck comes. Go out to eat. Have a good time. Go buy some clothes. Do all the things you got to do. You come to church on Sunday. Offering plate gets passed. You went out to eat after church too. And you're like, oh, that's all I got left. Oh, I need gas this week. I'll keep that. And you give that to God. And then the rest of the week you spend that. And you have no money. That's how it works for most of us. So, when you give to God, it works like this. Get our paycheck, and we give to God. House payment ain't been paid. Electric bill ain't been paid. Car payment ain't been paid. We ain't went out to eat. We ain't got any groceries. So got to get that house payment paid. Already given to God, though. House payment's got to be paid. House payment's got to get paid. Car payment's got to get paid. Utilities. Live in a 100-year-old house and it's winter. It's even more. Groceries. Got to get paid. 
Gas, gotta get paid. Oh. Oh, I thought we put God first and went farther. But we just kind of ran out quicker. So I just, but we forgot something. Put that verse back up, Xander. That Malachi 3.10, is it up there? Bring the whole tide of the storehouse and move through my house. This Lord, I see if I don't, see if I don't open the windows of heaven and pour out so much blessing. So, so we put God first and we pay some stuff, but we still got the water bill and the gas bill. We got all kinds of, see, well, here's where you miss out on. Then God comes along and gives you overtime at work. And God comes along and your rich uncle dies and he leaves you a little bit of money. And God comes along and, and January's just a little bit cold but not so cold where you got to run the heat all the time because in my house that's like a difference of $200. And God comes along. And, and, then, and then God comes along and you get this weird thing from your mortgage company that says your, your mortgage payments dropped by $150 because you overpaid too much last year. And, 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 then, and then God comes along and says, man, you know what? You got all this stuff you can get rid of and make a little extra money and, 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 and it starts overflowing in our lives and God comes along and starts blessing us so much and we don't know what to do because you put God first. That's a supernatural. Phil hates this illustration. I don't understand how it works. It just works that way. God comes along and your wife gets a hundred dollar a day raise. When you're sweating bullets because, man, she hadn't worked because in my wife's line of work, she hasn't worked the last three months out of the year. And then we took someone else's kid in, so all that money was going quick. Yet we were faithful in giving. And when you go to work and you travel and you work seven, eight, nine, ten days in a row, $100 a day is a big difference. And God just provides over and over. Or are you put on festivals? And God just provides what Kylie calls the Gary Lamb lucky horseshoe at my butt when it comes to weather. Because four years in a row have never had rain. And God always provides because we put him first. And he says, test me in this. I'm telling you, you'll change your life if you'll test God in this. I get some of you don't have the faith to do it. Here's the deal. You don't got to have faith. He says, test him. I've made it easy for you. I've given you a 90-day challenge. What do you got to lose? What you're doing's not working. I get it. Some of you've been burned by churches. I get that. I can't do anything about that. I can't do anything about it. You can look around and tell that we ain't doing a lot with the money around here. That's all I know to tell you. All I know to tell you is, all I know to tell you is we have an outside firm that handles every bit of finances in this church. We don't touch it, so there's nobody stealing money. Okay? You know the funny thing? I think the last time I preached this message two years ago, I went and bought a car the next week. And I'm going to look at a car today. So, that, so it always kind of coincides. I'm going to look at a car today because my, my message series convicted me. You know, driving a, a $30,000 Jeep when I drive five miles a day doesn't make a lot of sense. It convicted me. So if I go get a new car, it's not because all of a sudden you started giving, so don't freak out, okay? And if you think that for a second, find another church or another church for you. You can't outgive God. Test him in this. You get your finances in order. 
and God will rock your world. But no matter what you do, you can do a budget, you can do an emergency fund, you can do all those things. Until you put God first, you'll never get out of the mess you're in. Because even with all those steps, it takes supernatural to come along and put you in that position.